Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia M. Dooley. Social Conversations. Well, today is uh, the annual World Cancer Day, international uh, day that is celebrated on, well, um, not today, but tomorrow on the 4th of February. And it's a day to raise awareness uh, globally on the impact of cancer and also getting a bit of an understanding on how we should detect prevent and treat cancer as well. So we are joined today by uh, someone who specializes in uh, clinical hematologist uh, at uh, the Albert's, um, Albert Albert's uh, Stem Cell Transplant Center and a medical doctor at the DKMS Africa, the South African affiliation of the global DKMS organization. And he's going to be explaining to us uh, some of the three main types of blood cancers, including leukemia, lymphoma, and melomia. Some of these words are tongue twisters, but I'm sure uh, Dr. Theo uh, Gerdiner is going to be joining us and helping me to pronounce them better. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Theo Gerdiner, for joining us this evening. Good evening, Patricia. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to talk to you all. So, you know, these these terms, when it comes to some of the cancers, are, are, are quite tongue twisters but but the the impact of them in our lives in our society in individuals who who have them is so devastating and i think i'd love for you to explain to us what exactly blood cancer is and what are the different types of blood cancers that are prevalent certainly thank you very much so blood cancers are a group of cancers that typically affect the blood and blood-forming organs, such as the bone marrow, the glands or lymph nodes, and also um, the blood itself. So um, when we have a leukemia, that is, for instance, uh, a blood cancer that tends to affect the bone marrow and the blood predominantly, whereas the lymphoma is, is a disease of the glands, so we get swollen glands there. And um, then we have a third one called myeloma, which is quite common, which is a cancer that sits in the bone marrow um, preferentially. Um, These cancers are different from other cancers in that they typically um, don't form lumps. They don't cause pain. So people are unaware of them. Um, um, So some of these blood cancers can be extremely aggressive, and some of them are quite indolent or slow-growing. So some patients with, for instance, a disease called chronic lymphocytic leukemia can go many years without treatment, up to 20, 25 years or so, or even longer, whereas some of the acute leukemias which we treat happen within a matter of days and can make one extremely ill if they are not um, quickly uh, detected and, and managed. Now, this is quite scary. The fact that uh, some of the blood cancers you've mentioned um, are not easily detectable or there's no signs or symptoms. So one doesn't necessarily get sick for a long period of time or has a lump that will prove that something is happening. So how do we create awareness amongst people to to check for themselves? Yes. So I think the, the goal of World Cancer Day is to create awareness, definitely, and especially for other cancers where we have well-known risk factors such as smoking and lung cancer and then we have other cancers such as breast cancer, cervical cancer, prostate cancer for which there are very well recognized
screening and early detection methods available. This does not apply to the blood cancers because there are no known risk factors that we can tell people to stop doing or to do. And because they happen so insidiously, the most common symptoms that patients have are um, fatigue or tiredness. Um, They may have easy um, bruising or bleeding, and they may have recurrent infections. And none of these things, these things are all fairly common in, in healthy people, so none of them absolutely point to having a blood cancer. So usually when patients come to us, um, they have one of these symptoms and they've been to the doctor a couple of times and only then do we pick it up. So there are no preventative measures. There's nothing one can do to prevent a blood cancer. Blood cancers affect all races, sexes, creeds. It affects children under the age of one year up until um, elderly people. And it is also the most common type of cancer in children. So the focus on World uh, Cancer Day in terms of blood cancers are more aimed at the um, treatment of these blood cancers because unlike some other cancers, we can definitely treat and potentially cure many of these cancers. And that is why we tend to focus in, in blood cancers on the treatment rather than the prevention. And we have very effective treatments available nowadays. So you mentioned one of the signs, uh, Dr. Gerdner, being a sign of fatigue, being tired. Yes. How extreme is this fatigue? And does it have to go hand in hand with the other signs and symptoms? Because uh, I'm sure someone who's listening, the way it alerted me and alarmed me, um, would say, well, yes. I feel tired. How, is there anything else I need to look out for? Should I go and get tested now for blood cancer? Unfortunately not. There is nothing much one can do. Um, the fatigue may be very mild. Some people, we even pick up their cancer when they go to have a blood test taken for insurance purposes because they don't feel sick at all. So um, usually in our more aggressive cancers, the fatigue, the bruising, the infections will get rapidly worse if they are not treated and people usually will go to the doctor. But others of these illnesses, um, the blood cancer specifically, can be very subtle and easily mistaken for a flu or an ear infection or a bronchitis or something like that. Uh, There are a lot of myths. I've heard you uh, mentioning the fact that, you know, uh, it's not only children um, who can get uh, leukemia. Even children as young as one years old can have leukemia. But let's go through some of the myths because other people say only why people get blood cancer. It's not an African thing. Um, But this is clearly a myth. This is absolutely a myth. The um, racial distribution of blood cancers is roughly equal. Um, we do know from um, some excellent work the state, the universities, the hematology centers that the universities have done, that there are certain groups in our society which are more at risk of developing blood cancers, and these are usually patients living with HIV um, and certain other viral infections. But other than that, there's no racial bias for blood cancer. Um, There are minor and subtle differences, but everybody is at risk. There's nobody who's, who's free from it. But uh, like you said, they are treatable. Maybe let's uh, concentrate on the sort of treatment options that are available once a person has found out that they are um, positive with uh, any sort of blood cancer. 
Yes, absolutely. And for that, I'm going to focus on the more aggressive cancers because, as I said, there are some cancers which we do not treat patients because they are perfectly healthy. But in those persons requiring treatment, the treatment initially is very similar to the treatment of other cancers in that it um, uses chemotherapy. So chemotherapy is where we either orally take poisons or inject them into a vein to selectively kill off cancer cells. Um, chemotherapy comes with all of the, or often comes with all of the side effects associated with cancer treatment, such as hair loss and sometimes nausea and vomiting, but we try and manage those things. The second treatment for cancer is called radiotherapy, and this is an X-ray treatment where a targeted beam of radiation is aimed at the tumor itself and then will we'll kill off those cancer cells. This is typically not um, associated with the systemic effects of chemotherapy, but rather localized damage. And then we have a third class of medications that are recently becoming large. These are called targeted therapies or biological therapies. These therapies are designed or engineered as we come to know more of cancers. We design these to specifically attack certain cancer cells and leave the normal healthy cells um, undamaged. So typically these, um, these treatments are very well tolerated. But the thing I would like to go on, which is unique to blood cancers, are um, stem cell transplantations. So the basis of a stem cell transplantation is that we, maybe I should first just explain that stem cells are the cells in one's bone marrow that form blood cells. And in some blood cancers, they may become cancerous, um, or in others, they may just give rise to cancerous cells. So the basis of a stem cell transplantation, we know that if we give high enough doses of chemotherapy and or radiotherapy, we can oftentimes cure a blood cancer. But at the same time, one damages the healthy stem cells and a person can no longer make blood. So we need to replace them, and that is why we need donors, because we need donors of healthy stem cells. Um, the most likely donor or the best donor we can find is a brother or sister. Um, that is what we call a match. So a match is a certain genetic test we do, and we see that the brother or sister is a 100% match for the recipient or the patient. And that is ideal. But unfortunately, in South Africa, it doesn't work that way always. Um, we have a large fraction of our population is comprised of non-nuclear families where siblings often don't have the same parents or there's only a single sibling. Or um, even in the best of circumstances, a full sibling has about a 20 to 30% chance of being a full match for their siblings. So oftentimes, patients do not have suitable donors to undergo the stem cell transplant, which may be a curative process for them. It is there that the registries step in. There are currently two registries in South Africa who are both working around the clock to make sure that they create these large databases of non-unrelated um, donors that are available and have been typed so that we can get them for, for our patients. Um, 
Another challenge in South Africa is that the vast majority of um, donors in the worldwide registries are from European descent, and they sit in Germany and all the United States. So for our African and mixed-race populations here, they are typically not a match. So the express goal of DKMS Africa is to go into the communities and find local people to become potential stem cell donors and also to spread their wings into Africa to find more stem cell donors for the rest of the continent. Now, please tell us about uh, the important work that you are doing as K, uh, DKMS Africa in saving lives. Um, so, so I am not doing any important work. The other people at DKMS Africa... Well, as an organization. <laughs> yes, as an organization. So DKMS was previously known as the Sunflower Fund, um, which was a charitable organization promoting access to stem cell transplant for those people who often will not have access. Um, They have partnered with the German Stem Cell Registry, or DKMS, to form DKMS Africa, um, which is, as I said, aimed at expanding the registry, getting more Africans onto the registry of options. But apart from that, they are also still very much involved with the Sunflower Fund's previous activities of encouraging access So they are working with all the major transplant centers, both in private and public practice, to make sure we train enough hematologists, we have resources available, they train our nursing sisters, they hold outreaches, and um, they try to get as many people transplanted as possible in South Africa and in in the broader context of Africa. Well, very important work indeed. For people who would like to be in touch uh, with uh, DKMS Africa, especially to list themselves as potential donors, how do they get in touch? Yes, that's a very good question. So it has been made very easy of late. So one basically logs on or enters the DKMS website, which is dkms-africa.org. There's a big button right up on the start page saying, how do I become a donor? And you literally go and click that. They will send a parcel to one's house or one's work, wherever you want to. They will courier it with full instructions. It contains, we, we don't need to get in blood like we did in the past. So people who are afraid of needles needn't worry. This is merely a little swab. They send you with instructions to swab on the inside of your cheek and you close it up, they come and collect it again and then they will go and test it. And then you go into the registry. There's a very good chance that you will never be called up to donate stem cells, but at least you are available then when they when they do find a patient that needs your assistance. Obviously this doesn't obligate one to do anything at any stage during this process later on you can say, for whatever reason, I feel like I'm not in a place to donate stem cells now. So it's merely an initial cheek swab and going on to the system. If one is then asked later to donate stem cells, the process is also extremely easy, um, risk-free and pain-free. Unlike other organ donation, which involves surgeries or operations or things, this is very similar to donating blood. 
So one would sit um, in a room at one of our transplant centers and one would donate blood um, little bits at a time for a period of about three to four hours and that is it. And those, that, that bag of blood will then be transplanted into the patient. Well, at least now we've got a bit of an understanding and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be in touch with the DKMS Africa to start, you know, assisting those who need uh, stem cells or even, uh, you know, for the blood uh, cancers and assisting there. Thank you very much for the great work that you do alongside with your colleagues at DKMS, uh, Dr. Gerdner. Have a good evening. Thank you very much for having me and the listeners. And please go onto the website and just register as a donor. It has never been easier to save a life. Thank you very much.